But yeah. always at the beginning, it's just like, hey, it's like I'm making the dopest <laughs> for sure. Listen, this you is what could be. happen. <laughs> you just like end up being that guy that literally just like spades in circles. <laughs> 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 Hey everyone, welcome to the VetCast. We're joined today by Bensa, and he is uh, just a wonderful man. And he's a fellow creative in the industry, um, amazing photographer and videographer. And we just wanted to have him on the show because we're going to talk creative stuff, man. How's it going? Oh, yeah. It's two minutes, I'm already tearing up. <laughs> That's where we hit. We just said good photographer. I was like, oh, it's buttering the buns. Dude, absolutely. <laughs> Dude, I'm buttering you up for sure. So how did, how did you get into the industry creatively? Like, give me, give me the backstory. We came to Canada and at the time, like we were, my family and I were cleaning houses cause we needed to get like a work permit. Yeah. Right. So we were cleaning houses and for an entire summer, I saved up for this iPod touch. It was like the second or third generation iPod touch I was able to do video. So what I ended up doing is I ended up like shooting a bunch of like little short clips and I would take it in like, I'm or some, like some sort of app that they would have and then just put all these clips all together with some sort of like cool music. I was also really into parkour at the time. Sweet. So, parkour, uh, parkour. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, uh, that was where it kind of like started to like soar. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Cool. And then later on, I, I watched this one guy uh, have like a, like a YouTube ad saying my t- top 10 tips on how to achieve cinematic videos. And some oh, of the people who are, yeah, some of the people who are in the room and maybe listening know exactly who I'm talking about. And I bought this course that he was offering. And then it was basically just like everything from like gear to like software to how to even just like create these, these sequences. It's all packaged into one. And then I just bought a camera and went out and started doing things. And then fast forward to a lot of that. And then now I'm here. Dude. Sitting on benches. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, there was also another thing too. We went on a corporate retreat um, a few months back and we wanted you to take some BT, BTS photos mm-hmm. and you don't operate that way of just doing one thing. You're like, okay, yeah, I'm totally going to come. We're going to have some fun, yeah. but we're also doing a video shoot that night and I have a whole idea and you pitched <laughs> us the idea. We were totally on board. Talk to me about that process and just kind of your aspirations for people you like to follow for style of movement and all of that. Obviously like the big Canadian genius, like Peter McKinnon and like Daniel Schiffer yeah. uh, are huge. I also started to really dabble into just stop moving so much. Because what I've noticed on myself, I try to like balance things, right? Yeah. And I don't know if you guys share this, but sometimes I just need to like stop myself and be like, wait a second. Does this make sense? Does mm. this support anything that I'm trying to get across sure. with my video? Or am I just being fancy? It's like the progression of a filmmaker or a, cine- a videographer, mm. I think, is like to do the flexing, to do all the After Effects stuff. And then you realize like, actually, you can do really cool things just like composing something and still and saying something more than just the transition, you know? Oh, right. Yeah. But always at the beginning, it's just like, okay, it's like, I'm I making the dopest <laughs> thing here. Listen, this you is what's be- gonna happen. <laughs> And you're just like end up being that guy that literally just like (laughs) We made this a joke on our first podcast that we're not convinced you sleep like what fuels you man Like what actually fuels you to keep making edits and edits and edits? Can we drop brands in here? Yeah, you can drop brands analog Godfather espresso Mm -hmm. Oh. Oh 
But I just recently figured out, and this this is a weird thing weird thing to to look up. But drip coffee mm. is like the healthiest way of of consuming said beverage. Mm. And so I being uh, like doing the whole you know Peter McKinnon pour over. Oh yeah, so good. <laughs> but like actually, it is the best freaking thing. And because of it, like it's an espresso bean, it like hits you twice as hard. Oh So you're yeah. just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like ready to go. And then I watch all these like cool edits on Instagram and and. Like once like a song like hits you, you're just like, oh, I'm feeling it. Yeah. And then you like start getting on the caffeine rush, the same one that like hit you like four hours ago. And you're like, okay, this is it. What project would you do where you just say, wow, I've really done something here. I've taken my craft and I- I've made it. I really want to get into like the documentary headspace. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what he was talking about. That's exactly what he wanted to hear. Yeah, no, oh, I man think, after my own heart. No, it's fine. Uh, I started watching a lot of documentaries recently, and having like a bunch of footage that you go through and craft a story, like a narrative out of it, is like I think some of the like highest level mm. of filmmaking you could ever make. Because yeah, sure, you can follow a script, and and obviously no disrespect to like any filmmakers out there, but you can follow a script, you can make things look super artsy, but like. Taking something that you have literally no control over other than the fact that you just collect the footage and then create the narrative afterwards. Mm. Like, I, I, dude, I can't even imagine. The amount of work. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of work. Yeah. The amount of interviews that you're going to be piecing oh, together. Oh, for sure. John is, is uh, quite the mentor in, in this whole avenue. Talk to me about scope of projects, John, and amount of work. For us, our biggest thing was when you guys, we did that... Uh, one Christmas, uh, not Christmas. Yeah, it was a Christmas video. shoot. Yeah, Christmas and it was. I think it was 175 interviews, and we had to piece a story out of all 175 of them. Yeah, like brain, can physically not compute. I guess you did it, John. melting. So there was a day. There was there was a wonderful weekend that commenced prior to this, and John's yeah. leisurely walking into the office. <laughs> and um, has no idea what's about to come, sort of thing. Riley and I come back to sweating buckets and say, "Hey, man, we got a cool project that we got from a client." And all of that. It's like, cool. What's what's it about? And I'm like, yeah, John. It's uh, are you sitting down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good. John, it's like uh, 175 interviews, something like that. And yeah. the look on John's face. <laughs> <laughs> But he did it. To your credit, you did it. Yeah, yeah it came out. It was incredible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How was it shooting it though? It was quite something to process because we we didn't we, like I remember originally doing it. We didn't think it was actually going to be that many people interviewed. And I truly I remember thinking as people just kept on coming, we were opening up the door and looking down the hallway and seeing this line, and we were just getting small segments for each. But each time that another person came through, I'm just thinking of John. Okay, all of this going to say is that. Um, but to make a good documentary, what we're finding out as we're working on our first project is probably to tell a compelling story, you're looking at probably 30 people, you know, minimum. And based on the scope and scale of the story, each interview could run you like three, four hours of interview content. Yeah. Right. And yep. to select your time codes and write a compelling story with actual sweeps and hooks and and all of that stuff, it's quite the process, but it's so rewarding if the topic is rewarding, you know? Oh, totally. Another thing too, what's your process like? Uh, let's go into edits for a bit. First, I start with the music, right? You gotta get your perfect song, otherwise your edit is not gonna make sense, yep. right? Yeah. Obviously, you have to shoot to edit. So mm-hmm. you gotta have your your thought process kind of like going into the shoot. Okay, what is what I'm trying to bring out of this piece? 10-4. 
then once you do that, I like like to find those like key kicks and like the beats that I want those cuts to happen on. Um, and then I stretch, speed ramp, flash a little bit uh, of just like footage. And then what I do is I do two layers of adjustment layers. Uh, one is just a general grade, and okay. then another is like that's directly below it is just exposure changes. Mm-hmm. Because the cool thing is, is that as you can like slice the clips, you can just like you can magnetize everything in Premiere Pro at least, and then it basically just snaps, and the the adjustment layer changes as your clip changes. Yeah, and it's it's all like nicely organized because I've seen those like uh, what is it filmmaker flexes where it's like you see these like oh, yeah. twenty five yes. channels of things, and you're like. Where are you, dude? <laughs> like, what is abled? What is disabled? I don't even know what I'm looking at. Yeah. It looks impressive, though, because, like, yeah. you know, it's a thick timeline. You're like, ooh, yeah. you filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes down to, like, me, I like it simple. I like it minimalistic. Yeah. John, what do you think about that, like, timeline flex versus actual workflow? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm all about the keeping it, like, simple, clean, and organized. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when John and I first started working together, I tried to flex superiority and say, John, I have some keyboard shortcuts to show you, and they are smooth, man. (laughs) I show him my whole system. He's like, like, oh, cool, man. Yeah. Just next conversation. Three months later, totally different keyboard. And uh, I will say faster. I was proved wrong, but I'm not changing the his man. (laughs) That's why you can customize it. It's personal. And he also has the double double track head uh, sequences. So you have two tracks, and you're actually taking from other sequences and compiling to your master, opposed to just running one timeline. And uh, that's another thing I need to learn. I've done it a couple times. Yeah. I'm literally being Premiere Pro and just giving you a crash message right now based on what you just (laughs) said. Double sequencing. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it's called a pancake timeline. So uh-huh. you you know how you have your timeline thing? Yeah. You 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 can put like three of them on top of each other, uh-huh. different sequences, and say I need B-roll from this sequence in the first sequence. I can just drag it over on top instead of copy, go over, paste. Like you're That's just genius. quicker. It is. Pancakes. Yeah, the pancakes. The pancakes. All I heard was pancakes. <laughs> when we were on our camera retreat, I was actually really, really impressed just seeing you walk around with a backpack, bust mm. it open, and just flipping lenses quickly. Yeah. This man is now buttering the buns. <laughs> <laughs> I, really he like now knows. <laughs> uh, I have now the Peter McKinnon nomadic bag. You got it. Oh, it is nice. everything that I've ever wanted because now the three like different camera bags that I would have had otherwise, like with the gimbal and like uh, all the different lenses and whatnot, is condensed into one thing. So my setup is an EOSAR, Canon EOSAR, uh, for all you Sony guys, I feel a little bit No, it's okay, you, you can leave in a couple minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I use a Canon EOSAR with the adapter and I use the EF 16 to 2.8 Mark II. Basically, almost everything I shoot is with that lens. 16 to 35. It's the perfect weird warped like 60 millimeter wide that you're just like, whoa, like something is weird and cool with yeah, this. Yeah. But at 35, if you get like nice and close, you can get a little bit like more detail-y. So you have all your auxiliary equipment. You have your gimbal that you use or do you use a gimbal? What do you use? I, I now bought a new gimbal, the Weeble S. And it's the updated version. And so basically what it is, it's literally the size of my hand. 
the handle of the gimbal. You have your joystick, you have your like controls and you can change the controls on the gimbal. But the cool thing about the Weeble S is like the, 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 the tripod legs, they screw off and then they screw on like the back of it. So it's like a, a handle. Oh, sick. And it's such cool. a sturdier like grip, which I love because now that I started shooting a lot of car content, yeah. it's crucial for me to like get to a certain angle because mm. it's in their branding guidelines. Right. And in order for me to do that, having that like top handle thing is so nice. Plus, DLSR has the variable angling flip screen, so yeah, I yeah, can yeah. just like <laughs> All right, pull next it right thing. out. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, I think your just your ability to create content anywhere and like very travel focused and um, being able just to explore, it's amazing. You're a really gifted creative and it's awesome to know you, and I think this is just the beginning of like the amount of products or projects we're gonna work on together. It's just so damn fun. Well, man, thank you so much for coming on the Vetcast. Uh, thank you. Awesome conversation. I'm sure you'll be on much more. Keep creating badass content, and I'll try. Uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode. <laughs>